Hey there, it's Alan Smithson with the XR for Business podcast. And today we're speaking with Michael Augustin, co-founder and CEO of Curie. They're an augmented reality shopping platform that enables consumers to make better purchasing decisions quickly and visually. All that coming up on the XR for Business podcast. Michael, welcome to the show, my friend. Cool. Thanks for having me, Alan. Oh, I'm so excited. We had the opportunity to meet recently at, uh, well, it was two things, really. It was the VRARA gathering in San Francisco, and then we went from there to Verizon's head office, and we went for a, a meetup where we learned from Apple and a bunch of other people uh, about what's coming up in virtual reality. So it was really great to meet you in person. I want to unpack what you've been doing, but let's talk about what is Curie. We're curious. Uh, yeah, so I see that you're AI curious. Um, so Curie is an AR shopping assistant that allows people to make decisions uh, very quickly. Um, this sort of ties into the journey of any customer that is uh, looking to make a purchase about any type of thing. So we're kind of giving people this on-screen HUD uh, to be able to make decisions on the fly. Uh, about any different type of product, especially ones that they would want to save money on. And it also enables retailers to sort of keep other apps from participating in, in showrooming in their in their stores. So uh, we're, we're looking to sort of serve like uh, big box stores by giving them sort of the powers of augmented reality and enabling all the same tools that shoppers would typically have online, offline. So things like online reviews and movies and uh, people who bought this also buy these things. That's really interesting. I, I think it's it's something that's coming really quickly. And you know, you guys have listed on your website that you're a computer vision company. Walk me through the consumer experience of this. So I have my phone, I'm in a store, I point my phone at a pair of shoes, it recognizes the shoes and says, here's some Amazon reviews on it or, or some reviews from that store, I guess. And then here's some other things that you might like that aren't uh, necessarily in the physical store. Is that correct? Yeah. So typically you don't have these tools uh, available to you offline. Uh, the reason why we uh, say we're a computer vision company is that computer vision is like GPS for your camera. Um, so think about all the times you use GPS and Waze and Yelp and Google Maps. Uh, we're doing that from a first person perspective and providing the ability to sort of connect to things that are in front of you uh, via services and information. The reason why you would want to do this is that information is typically still not uh, on front of you when you need it, but it's available online. So we were named after um, Marie Curie, uh, who sort of dedicated her life uh, to seeing what was invisible. And we would argue that right now uh, information is invisible um, and you can't really see it when you need it on top of things. Amazing. So are there any companies uh, actively deploying this now or is this still in early phases or where where are you in the food chain of startups so our, our lead investor is uh, 500 startups and we are uh, gaining customers uh, through a program that's backed by walmart and sam's club and tyson we're talking to several uh, oems and other types of retailers uh, about incorporating our technology uh, into their shopping apps Interesting. That's really cool. So how does it work from a, a business standpoint? If I want to sign up for this, let's just take a, a company. I sell electronics online uh, or, or online and in store, and I want to incorporate this in. What does the process look like? 
So, so typically we target companies that have access to or have built an API. And then that API has access to things like reviews and content that uh, we can just display as sort of like an on-screen HUD within your phone or smart glass. Um, and that enables their shoppers to get the information that they typically would have gotten from an app or website, but affixed to the products that they see uh, within a store. Um, so we're looking to put the like the AR into companies like Walmart. That'd be really cool. So I basically, I'm in a store and I see the blender. I point my phone at the blender. It goes, oh, this is the XYZ blender. And it gives me the reviews around it and basically augments that physical box in the store. Is that correct? Yeah. And then I can order it right from there and I don't even have to take it home. I just, they ship it to my house and then I can go on with my day. Yeah. Yeah. This is a, this concept is called uh, new retail, uh, which was um, sort of coined by Jack Ma of Alibaba and uh, stores in China are, are very experiential and uh, sort of future facing. And so you would be able to just point your camera at a product, buy it and have it ready for you in two hours. I love that. It's super good. It's kind of like what Samsung's doing here by building their experience centers. You can't really, I don't even think you can buy the phone in the center. It's just for experiencing, learning, and then you can buy everything online. So it's exciting. Hmm. So what what else do people, what do you want people to know about this product? So I, I think that uh, the biggest thing to communicate is how this kind of fits within your regular day uh, in, in China. Um, uh, QR codes are scanned a quarter trillion times uh, every year, and you can't really go about your day without using your camera. I think in the U.S. Uh, and in the West, people kind of still see their camera as more of like entertainment as opposed to something that they can use practically like a credit card. Our goal is to try to bring that consumer behavior uh, to the United States. Yeah, I find it really strange that we do so many things with our phones, everything from checking the weather to just unlimited things with our phones. And yet we don't tie the camera to our real world very often. And I think the idea of the QR code in North America, I don't know. I don't know what happened. We just missed out on it. And my daughter a few years ago kind of made it clear to me why and how we failed on this. She said, well, why would I point my phone at a QR code to take me to a website that's listed underneath. Why wouldn't I just type in the website? <laughs> I was like, well, because, you know, in China, they offer discounts that, you know, they really built a culture around pointing your phone at the QR code. You can pay for things and all of that. How do you think we're going to kind of get that culture over here? Yeah, I, I think it's important to understand its adoption of the technology. So the reason why China had a head start is that as difficult it is for someone in the West to understand Chinese, it's the reverse. And so most of the internet and the web are written in Western languages. So the ability for the average sort of Chinese citizen to look at something wasn't there. They couldn't memorize it. And two, uh, rural China was unbanked. And so there were no credit cards. There was no Visa or MasterCard. Uh, and so the only way to pay for something was their mobile phone. Their phone became their wallet, and uh, that enabled QR to be adopted faster. And in addition to, to that, companies like Alibaba and WeChat spent a lot of money educating the market and integrating themselves into every facet of society from retail to advertising. And so, so I think the way to bring that to the states is using a kind of concept of a default effect, 
meaning that in any given situation, like you have the advantage of, of using it. And so uh, what we're looking to do is work with uh, retailers and OEMs to bring Curie to their apps and devices, just like uh, what Alexa is to the microphone, we're looking to bring to the camera. Well, you're no stranger to digital worlds. And in fact, you your previous company was quite successful. Do you want to touch on that a bit? Yeah, I founded a company called Game Salad, uh, which was a tool that you could download to your desktop to be able to make iPhone and Android games. What we effectively did was we enabled the 99% who could not code to reach what is now 140 billion GMV marketplace of app stores. And uh, we're 66% of uh, engagement on mobile phones were games. And so that enabled a whole new type of creator economy for uh, everyday folks and folks in emerging markets to be able to make their own games without needing to hire a programmer. That's amazing. You've had massive success with that. There's been millions and millions of games uh, consumed with your game salad platform, correct? Uh, yeah, yeah, we've, we've, uh, about 10 million games have been generated uh, from millions of creators uh, hitting 100 million players per month. And at one point, I think uh, uh, we were 21% of games being uploaded to the App Store. So that's roughly equivalent to a WordPress. That's incredible, man. And you're taking all of that experience and all of that knowledge and moving towards the future of how we buy things, the future of e-commerce, I guess. Not even e-commerce, it's commerce in general. Retail. It's exciting. Yeah. What was the decision to kind of move from games to retail? I was getting a lot of inbound for uh, AR projects. And I think that what was missing for all of these projects was the R. Um, and so uh, we attempted to create a company that, uh, just like how we made computer games accessible to the 99% to create, we wanted augmented reality accessible for the 99% of brands and retailers to be able to make use of. And the number one thing that is available everywhere are products. Um, there's literally 100,000 things in any given place. And the statistics of you encountering that product uh, is very high over and over again. And so we wanted to use that reproduction of things as a, almost like an information highway. Um, creating like a web uh, across the things that we see and being able to access the information when you needed it. Well, there, right now there's not any retailers rolling this out, right? So you're, you're still kind of working on that. Who is your ideal customer? And if they're listening, how can they reach out to you? Uh, our ideal uh, customers uh, have been companies that are in retail that have been wanting to sort of digitize their local stores. Um, so we've been starting with the big ones to be able to sort of prove it at scale. We're one of the few technologies that can do that without spending lots of money on, say, like an Amazon Go implementation or electronic shelf labels, which cost you hundreds of millions of dollars. And so this effectively reproduces the QR code, but in physical spaces uh, and, and virtually. So you don't have to place stickers everywhere in order to, to get it to work. You just point your camera at things and start attaching information to it for shoppers to be able to consume. So how are you training that? For example, um, if I look at a box, a uh, box is easy because you've got four sides or whatever, six sides to it. 
and your phone can recognize those. But how are you doing something like a piece of clothing or something that may not be detectable uh, as easy by computer vision? So we are a, a hybrid solution. Um, so we also look at uh, positioning. So ju just in case, uh, well, we, we also tag the area in which that piece of clothing might be in. And so you'd be able to recall the information. So it's, it's sort of like comparable to digital signage, uh, but completely virtual. And in these times of quarantines and, and self-solitude here, um, I, I guess that gives you guys a really good um, opportunity to really work on the tack and, and get, some, get some sales. And when people are ready to get back to, to shopping in the real world, I think this is going to be a great tool. Yeah, I think that it's, it's now needed more than ever for these companies to be able to digitize, to know whether something is going to be on the shelves when you get there. And you need to know whether or not a few companies are price gouging. You want to know whether or not you're getting the best prices. Uh, at the same time, you want to sort of practice social distancing. So maybe a store associate is not the best solution in this day and age. Maybe it's being able to access said information on your own. And so I think that these types of technologies can also help save lives. I agree with you. What problem in the world do you want to see solved using XR technologies? Um, there's actually two problems that I was thinking of uh, where you know, you'd want to be able to get at the table. Um, one is invariably the more that you create and affect perception, the more issues there are with privacy. And I think that that can be addressed by being able to keep information on the edge and, and local so that no information is uh, stored on the cloud. And if it is, it can be encrypted. And then two, is being able to use this technology to give other people a chance to access that information. About 300 million people are visually impaired and you have other types of impairments like hearing, but you can convert information from one form to another if it's dynamic, if it's digital. And so I think that's a new way to kind of think about how to use XR, being able to synthesize data in a new type of mode that can be consumed by the people who really need it. Well, that's a great way to think about it and some great use cases there. Where can people find you? Oh, uh, we have offices in uh, Austin and Seattle. So I'm from both areas. And uh, I think the reason why I'm here in Seattle is that where there is oil, there are refineries. Uh, where there is data, there's AI. And so, uh, yeah, I guess uh, uh, come, come check us out at uh, curie.co. That's C-U-R-I-E dot C-O. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for joining. And uh, that has been the XR for Business podcast with your host, Alan Smithson. Today's guest, Michael Augustin from Curie. Uh, the future of retail is augmented reality.